0: So this is how I think solopreneurs should spend their day. Content, connection, and client delivery. A third, a third, a third. When you're scaling beyond solopreneurship, you have staff and you have other things going on. But like if every single day you produce a piece of content for the socials and you connect with humans, meaning DM, phone call, comment, like get people on sales calls, just connect with a couple of people a day. And then client delivery has to
1: come first. The three C's, you're going to be great. Welcome to the Coffee with Courtney podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Marie, web designer and CEO of Courtney Marie & Co. After building a multiple six-figure design agency, I wanted to create a podcast to share everything I've learned and am still learning to help you grow your business. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts share tips on branding, marketing, business, and so much more. So if you're ready to learn how to run a successful business and stand out online, grab your cup of coffee and let's dive in. Welcome back to today's episode. So I have with us Lauren Widrick. She is a side hustle and sales coach and she's helped launch and grow over 100 businesses from solopreneurs to seven figure companies and something really special is uh Lauren was a client of ours um it was super fun to work with her we Created a sales page for her and it's really helped grow her business. So, a portion of the episode, we're going to dive into sales pages, what they can do for your business, and what the sales page that we created for Lauren, why she needed it, where she was in business, when she needed it, and what it has done to help grow her business. So, super excited about that. Um, And then, the beginning portion, we're going to talk about sales sales 101 really talking about how to get better at sales whether you have a side hustle that you're trying to grow or whether you're a solopreneur you're already crushing it what you can you do better um and then also just how to love the selling process i know when i first started i didn't like sales and when i got better at it i actually really like it now so Hopefully this episode gives you some tangible tips so you could actually like selling and so that you can sell more in your business. Okay, so I would love for you to give a little more background on how you got started um, because you, did you turn your side hustle into your full-time job? Um, Talk more about that. I know you have your program and we'll get into that in a little bit, but share with us your background.
0: Awesome. And thanks for having me on the podcast. I love your new podcast. The way we reconnected is Courtney did a banging sales page for me. I've been buying her templates for like two years now. And so when she launched this podcast, I pinged her and was like, your podcast is awesome. And then I was honored when you invited me on. So it's so good to partner with you like this. So the backstory is I started my business as a side hustle in 2016. So I was working in investment banking in a very good on paper, high paying, fancy job that I couldn't stand. Mm -hmm. And so I had a little bit of a career crisis. And at that time I was like, I either need a therapist or a life coach. And I frankly didn't know the difference, but I happened to, by way of destiny, get connected with a life coach here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm located. I met with her and was like, holy shit, I I can do what it is that I want to do, which was actually coaching. I just didn't think it was a real career path for me after coming out of investment banking. So I launched my business as a side hustle in 2016. It took me two and a half years to escape corporate, mainly because I had a baby in the middle of it. <laughs> oh my I launched my side hustle and got unexpectedly pregnant with our second kid. Um, it was an absolutely crazy time in my life. But yeah, so in 2018, I leapt out and I've been running my business ever since. But it morphed from life coaching into business coaching because all of my clients, their number one thing they came to me for was like, how did you do that? How did oh, you replace yeah a big job in banking with a life coaching company. Are you making enough money? Are you paying yeah. your bills? What is, How life is this coaching? Working? <laughs> right? And that was my big fear too, back in the day when I was side hustling. So over the last few years, I've developed a, a course, a structured program around this called Slay Your Side Hustle. And it's a 12-step system to go from concept to cash flow in 90 days while you're working a demanding corporate job.
1: I love that. And we're going to get into that sales process. It's going to be yeah. so packed with golden nuggets. So take out your <laughs> notes for this episode. Um, I love that you mentioned it took you two years. So you started from the ground up, like no audience, like you had right. to start all that. And then did you grow it with organic mark or er, traffic?
0: Yeah. And I mean, uber organic, like on the ground, the human beings that I knew in Charlotte. Okay. So I want to tell you guys some stories from my side hustle so that you can avoid some of these mistakes. Yeah. I always say like, do as I say, not as I did, because I had no clue what I was doing. Back in the day, I had a life coach who kept me on track with my goal, but I didn't have any business experts or mentors in my life to teach me sales or marketing or financials or legal or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So here's how I grew it. And again, not how I recommend y'all do this. So when I was working at the bank, I was too scared to post on LinkedIn or Instagram because I was afraid my company would find out. Mm-hmm. And that was silly. That was an irrational fear because when I finally disclosed my business, they were like, great, go forth. That's exciting. And yeah. I was able to start posting on LinkedIn. So I did it the long, hard way by just networking. Mm-hmm. And I had, when I say no audience, I mean, no social media presence. And it was hard and it took a long time and it made sales feel really daunting. Mm-hmm. And once I finally embraced, you know, marketing and my voice and putting myself out there, uh, my audience grew slowly. I mean, I don't even have a huge audience now. Mm -hmm. Right. But the potency of what you post is what matters. It's like really saying the thing that people don't always want to say and speaking directly to your ideal client and being a little bit salacious with your posts. Once I found my voice in my marketing, leads began coming to me like inbound leads. And I was fascinated by that. Like, oh, I don't have to cold call or cold message on LinkedIn. People are going to reach out to me to find out what I do. So yeah, it's all been organic. I've only ever done a few paid ads. I mean, I've been at this for six years. I've done a couple of stints with paid ads, but it's all been organic.
1: I love that. And you know, two years in the scheme of things isn't really that long. If you, you're right, you know, when you're in it, it feels like forever. But the wouldn't you agree t- the year two to three years is where it's like you gotta stick it out until you see that success. Yes. And
0: Courtney, I'm so glad you said that because I've even been through that. I was speaking with some colleagues this morning that years one and two felt long. And then when I leapt out and was a full-time entrepreneur, that went by fast. But year five felt long because I had a really strange year trying to figure out how to scale, mm-hmm. how to hire, how to you know create passive income. And that was a weird year. Yeah. So in the scheme of things, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're dedicated to living life on your terms, you're going to have a crazy quarter or a crazy year here yeah. and there. And that's what we sign up for in this wild west. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I'd, oh, I'd sure. rather take this roller coaster than the carousel of corporate, as I like to say.
1: Me too. I was just, I made a post the other day. I'm like, I can't do an, I couldn't do a nine to five. Just sit there and no. <laughs> I breaks or anything.
0: No, I, I don't think I could go back. And it's funny because like I said, I've had great years in business. I've made multi six figures as a solopreneur with a small team, but there have been moments where you want to quit. And even yeah. I, I am a business coach and sometimes I want to quit. Mm-hmm. And then the prospect of going back to corporate and having somebody else dictate how much I get paid in my earning potential, where I get to work, right? My like, where I spend my time, what I have to do all day. I cannot
1: imagine going back to that. No. Yeah, me either. Um, <laughs> so now that you said that, I want to dive in to what do you think people struggle with the most when it comes to sales?
0: First of all, embracing that they are a salesperson. This was the hardest part for me, right? Embracing the role of salesperson. So the first place you have to start is sales is not sleazy. Mm -hmm. And we've been taught that growing up and seeing the used car salesmen and telemarketers, right? Like this was the image of salespeople that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And even though I had a, you know, a big leadership job in corporate, I never sold anything. So when it came time to sell, I was like, I don't like this. I don't want to do it. I wish I could just, not a salesperson. I'm a coach. I wish I wish I could bypass the sales and just get to do what I love and it was seen as a necessary evil. Well, guess what? That doesn't really work.
1: Mm-hmm. When you
0: approach sales as a chore or a necessary evil or something you just don't want to do and gives you the icks, you're not going to connect with the people that you're meant to serve. Yeah. So, I want everybody listening to know whether you've just started your business or you're the CEO of a seven-figure, eight-figure company, you are the chief revenue officer. And I want that to excite you and empower you, not give you the creepy crawlies. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and you sell every day. Like what's the analogy, like going on dates and like you're selling yourself. So you sell yourself every single day. And if you, I think that's what helped me change my perspective. Yeah. And one thing that really helped me step into that sales role was getting comfortable with rejection. So do you mm-hmm. have any tips on, cause I think that's, you know, another thing that people oh, Uh, What if they say no? Um, So do you have any tips for someone to help them overcome that fear of rejection?
0: Absolutely. So there's two tips and don't let me forget both of these. One is desensitize yourself. So just go out and collect some no's and you'll realize that you'll live to tell the tale. Yeah. And then the second is pre-qualifying your leads. So I didn't know any of this at the beginning, right? Like when I was a side hustler, a mentor of mine gave me a cold call list. Truly like he was a 50 year old white dude. And he was like, this is how we do it in sales. Oh, Here's a list of, you know, CEOs in Charlotte, smile and dial. And so I did that and it was demoralizing and it was awful. And we see a lot of this on LinkedIn too, a lot of very like random cold messages, right? Yeah. And that's good for the desensitization. Is that a word? De- for desensitizing I myself from no. rejection because <laughs> it sounded weird coming out of my mouth. It was good for desensitizing because I got used to hearing No. And I lived to tell the tale and woke up. But what I do now differently, and Courtney, what your sales pages help me do, are pre-qualify my leads. Mm. So for instance, by the time somebody gets on a sales call with me now, I know who they are. They've filled out an intake form. I've checked out their social media. They've probably come to one of my webinars. They've spent time on my sales page really marinating on what I do and what the offer is. And hell, they know the price. Yeah. So by the time they book a call with me, they're all pre-qualified. And so I'm getting way less no's than I used to because I, you can sort out who's your person and who's not before you even get on the phone.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so what would you say are some sales and marketing strategies that someone can use to, again, turn their side hustle? Maybe they are in the same place. They're at their corporate, but they have this like passion. They want it to be their full time. I think first they need that permission to give themselves to do it. But what are like actual sales strategies? And I'm sure it's your process um, that we can kind of dive into.
0: Yeah. So I'm not the first business coach to say, know exactly who you want to work with, the persona and their plight and the possibility that's available to them if they work with you. Right. So who is this person? Like everybody tells you to get into their head, get into the psychographics. What do they want? What is the pain point that they have been unable to solve for themselves? So for my side hustlers, I know this acutely, they desperately want to get out of corporate. They want to start a business, but they earn six figures and they're scared that their new business will not replace the six figure income and their spouse doesn't support them. And they're worried about time. Like you can hear me rattle these off because I experience them and all of my clients experience them. So get deep into the psychographics and then create content that is really potent. And by potent, I mean, don't be afraid to say what needs to be said. Right. My content, if you check out my Instagram, the handle is at Lauren Woodrick. It's very um almost borderline, salacious, controversial. Mm -hmm. Where I'm either pushing people hard to go for it or I'm telling them about all the times I fucked up in my business. Like people kind of grip onto it. So don't be vanilla, don't be tepid. Don't just say like, oh, I can help you start a business. I've got a process. It's gonna be fun. (laughs) It's like, no, queen, I see you. You're scared. I've been there. Trust me, we can do this. So having very potent content. The next step is having what I call visibility moments. And so this is the bridge between your content and connecting with humans. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that makes you not have to cold DM. So this is having a webinar or hosting a panel or, I mean, I host conferences, I host summits. It's having something that you can invite people to for free or low ticket that's of value to them. Mm-hmm. so that when you go to fairy dust, as I call it, I don't call it prospecting. I don't call it cold messaging. Fairy I call it dust. Fairy dusting. I like that. Isn't that better, Courtney, than like hunt leads? Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. When you're out connecting with people, you're not asking first, you're giving first. You're like, hey, I'm having this you know, educational seminar. It's only 19 bucks or it's free. Like, You should come meet some of my people. Yeah. Kick-ass room of women. You should come. Yeah. Or I've created this free guide. Like I've been checking out your page. You seem amazing. In fact, I have a guide for that. Do you want to check it out? If not, no big deal. And I like to say, get permission. It's a consensual conversation. Like never send a link to your calendar without asking if they want it. Mm -hmm. Never send a link to your freebie without asking if they want it. Get permission to send your thing because every step in the dance is consensual.
1: I think that's so huge that you, I love that you said permission first because there's so many messages. I just got one today. Hey, I have the like this long paragraph. Never met the person. Yep. Here's a link to my webinar, and you didn't even ask if I was interested. And so I think that flips the script and can make a huge difference in just like leading from a place of heart centered. Hey, I have something that can truly help you. Would you want it? Would you be interested?
0: That's it. It's consent first. So, do you mind if I make a little bit of a dirty joke here on your podcast? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> okay, there's a dirty joke coming, people. So I call that boner poking. <laughs> I like here's it. why I call it that. So I'm 39. I'm almost 40. So I haven't been clubbing in quite some time. But do you remember back in the day when we all used to go clubbing and you're oh. dancing in a circle with your girlfriends, minding your business. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're dancing and you feel something poking <laughs> you in the back. And you're like, what? It's an uninvited boner. Yep it'd be one thing if we'd been flirting, winking, handshaking, dancing, then you can put your boner on me. But like, it's too soon, too fast. And that's how I feel about how people prospect on LinkedIn and Instagram is they slide up on you way too fast with something you didn't even ask for before you've even shaken hands or said hi.
1: That's so funny. I have not (laughs) heard that. That's a keeper. (laughs) It's ridiculous,
0: right? Like I've told that boner poke story so many times and And I'm like, man, I kind of miss clubbing. Like, I'm an old married lady. Like, a boner poke wouldn't be the worst thing in the world right now. (laughs) But you see the analogy, right? It's invasive, it's uninvited. Yeah. And it almost never works. But if you say, hi, you're beautiful. I mean, to use the analogy in the club, like, wink at me, hi, wave me over, buy me a drink, ask about my interests, make sure I'm single, make sure I'm interested, then take the next step, which is not a boner. It's like a kiss or a handhold, right?
1: Too much, too soon. even like step out, like liking their content or yes. stuff like that before you even ask. Like, I think it truly makes a difference when you switch. I'm here to help people versus I need to make money. I need, you're almost come across as desperate. And I made that mistake when I first started because you do have to make money, but you don't want it to come across as like you're desperate. Agree. And I'm so glad you said that, Courtney, because it's a game of
0: a relationship building and a game of patience. Yes. So what I say is whenever you meet a new human on the internet or in person, don't automatically assume they're going to go in the lead category Mm -hmm. because they could be a lead. They could be a friend. I've, I have like literally one of my new, like friend, best friends in business I thought was going to buy from me. And we ended up getting on the phone and I was like, no, we're going to be best friends (laughs) instead. And we are, we truly are. Like she lives in California. She's flown out here. She's been on the podcast. Like We're really good friends now, even though I kind of at first thought maybe hoped she would buy from me. Mm -hmm. Somebody could become a referral partner. Somebody could promote you. Somebody could become a collaborator where you all would do an an IG live together. Be open to all of those possibilities because they all lead to revenue. Yeah. But if you're playing the short game and seeing as every person is a possible sale, one, you're going to repel them. And two, it's going to be frustrating when they don't buy.
1: Icky. And three, you're missing out on business besties or referral partners and people who could grow your audience. Yeah. And just the fun part, like the enjoyment part of the process, like business gets to be more fun when you lead from that place.
0: And this is woo woo stuff. When you're having fun and detached from revenue is when revenue flies at you. Yeah. If you're into law of attraction stuff. I mean, I I feel like I'm living proof whenever I'm freaking out about money and just trying to go prospect and touch a hundred people this month, it, it repels sales. But when I'm yeah. like, no, nah, I'm just going to be generous and bury us and give free guides and give referrals and connect you and you, cause y'all need to meet. That's when the sales kind of come out of left field.
1: It's so crazy. It's right? wild. Yeah. Crazy. Um, okay. So it, you know, send for, ask for the permission. What's next. So like I said earlier, I think
0: pre-qualification is key because it's, mutual respect of everybody's time. Mm -hmm. So I made this mistake a lot when I was early of I would just get anybody on the phone who would talk to me. Yeah. And they didn't know what my products was priced at. I didn't, I was too afraid to ask if they were in a buying mode. And so I'd have all of these sales calls, air quotes, that ended in no sale and I was so frustrated. I'm like, God, my closing rate's like, you know, 25%. Well turns out they weren't all sales calls. These people thought they were connecting with like-minded business women because I was not pre-qualifying them as a buyer. Mm. so there's a couple ways to do this one is when you're chatting in the dms or however you're communicating is just saying like hey have you ever thought about you know like your side hustle or sales swagger like is this something you've considered just be a grown-ass adult and ask are you are you interested in one of my programs mm-hmm. and if they say no then say okay great how else can I serve you connections no, freebies? like I got you great and if the answer is yes then be very clear and say perfect okay here here's how this goes here's the link to my calendar it's got some questions. Be honest. Fill them out in some detail. And the point of this call will be to see if we're a fit to work together. Sound good? Yes. Okay then consensually. Send the scheduling link.
1: Well, and I like that you say that because it sets the tone for the call. Cause I think yep. a lot of times, like when I'm thinking back to all the things that I did when I started, um, you know, you want to set the tone for the call to say, hey, this is a conversation to see if there's a solution or if we're a good fit. Not yes. just the chit chat. And then it's awkward to pitch yourself at the end. If you set the tone ahead of time, then you know like, okay, great. This is what I suggest. Here's my solution. What do you think?
0: I've taken to having two separate links on my calendar. One is called connection call and one is called discovery call. And then they don't know the difference, but to me, connection call just means like, I don't think this person's a lead, but I want to see how I can serve them and support them. Yeah. And it has a different set of intake questions.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the discovery
0: call is like we, and it says right in the, in the verbiage, let's find out if we're a fit to work together. And at the bottom, it says, are you willing to invest in yeah. accelerating your goal? Yes or no. What
1: if they say no? Do you just not get on the call? Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. No, I had a sales coach.
0: That's, this is one of the things that I want to tell everybody. I did not love sales until I found this sales coach who helped me see it as a service Endeavor, mm-hmm. and what she said was, if they're not a fit, if they're not a ten out of ten jumping out of bed for their goal, or they've said they're not willing to invest at this time, then release the call. Yeah, and you can do it super graciously. You can reach out and be like, "Hey, I noticed that at this time you aren't looking to invest in coaching. That's great. That's amazing. I have a free webinar coming up. I hope to see you there." Yeah, that's a good way. You know, just like I love you anyway. Like you, you're not dropping the call. Like, oh, you're not. I see you're not ready to buy. Adios
1: hmm What was the biggest change for you? Because that was the same for me. I, I hated mm-hmm. sales, but now I love it. And so what was that change for you?
0: When I saw it as an act of giving instead of taking. Yeah. That's what the sales coach said to me. She was like, what if you were, if it's a funny metaphor, what if you were a doctor carrying around a medical kit, right? Mm-hmm. Like something that can help people. And you were too afraid to, and you saw somebody on the street with a broken leg and you were too afraid to walk up and be like, I've got the medical kit, right? That would be a disservice to that person. What would be a service is to walk up and be like, Hey, I have something that can help you. Would you like it? I love that. And I did a, I did a social media post of my own just the other day. That's that said something to the effect of staying scared is actually selfish and Mm -hmm. hear me out. Like being scared or feeling scared is not. We all feel scared. But if you stay scared, too scared to reach out to the people you can serve, you're actually prioritizing your own comfort over their transformation.
1: Yeah. And your ego, right? Your ego is keeping you safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've come to realize that, yes, to your earlier point, rejection is hard. And I still get no's. I get no's all the time on my sales calls and they still sting. And I still go back to that place of like, did I mess that up? you know, that was my fault. I suck. I failed. Like you go to those moments, but you, you gloss over them quickly because you're not meant to be together. Somebody else is perfect for them. And I would take that momentary discomfort to get to the people I am meant to serve all day long. It's so brief, right? Like you get a handful of no's in a month. Great. Mm
1: -hmm. But you get a
0: handful of yeses. Great. And I will pay that price to get to my dream clients.
1: Well, and eventually you get to a point where, sometimes you have to be the one to say no. Like you, sometimes you have to turn down. Like I know I've done that. I've been more intentional on who we want to work with mm-hmm. because I can't take everyone. It's just not everyone is a good fit. So you do have to qualify them. And I think for me, like I'll always do sales calls. Yeah. I, I would love to hear your opinion on, cause I've seen more and more people not do sales calls. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Are you asking about sales calls versus click to buy?
1: Yeah. For like, yeah. even like they don't do a sales call at all. They don't even hop on a call with you. Um, you know, maybe that's more for introverts if they want to go that route. Maybe. What suggestions you have for them if they want to choose that?
0: So that's okay. It's okay to have click to buy. I mean, that's why your sales pages are so amazing because they really do the pre-qualification and the branding and the messaging. Um, here's what I say. Your sales method should match your delivery method. So if you are a deep transformation one-on-one coach, then a click-to-buy sales page would not be a match because you're not actually showing them what it's going to be like to work with you. Ooh, that's good. Yep. So if you are a deep one-on-one transformational coach, then you should have a deep like 90-minute get into it with this person and make sure you're an energetic match.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: However, if you're selling a course or a large cohort, Program where people are going to get less interaction from you, but more from the group and more from the course materials, the modules. Great. I think a click to buy matches that method perfectly. Yeah. So, what you have to be honest in your sales process, like if you're not a deep person, then don't have two hour sales calls.
1: Yeah. Gosh, a two hour sales
0: call. Well, it's a thing. Okay. So, I've worked with some coaches who are very high ticket. I'm talking like five to $10,000 a month for one on one. Yeah. And so to me, that's a 90 minute sales call all day long.
1: Well, I was just going through that. So I was um, looking to hire someone to help us with some marketing and they don't do a sales call and it's, you know, I think two grand a month and for, I'm the type of person that needs that. Like, I want to see if it's a good vibe because you can pick up things differently over Zoom versus DMs. And I don't know, like it might've turned me off. Um, so that's just kind of an example and that's perfect. It relates to what you're selling. Yep.
0: Yeah. So I do, I have some VIP days that I sell Mm -hmm. and I will allow people to book those without a sales call because it's a one day commitment. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if we're getting into container together or you're getting my like real energetic investment for more than a day, I need to know. I mean, these become your coworkers. This is, this become who you spend your day with.
1: Yeah, it's a relationship. Like it's ongoing. a relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I bought courses without a sales call. I've purchased yeah, them. That's fine. I don't think this is personal preference. I don't think I'd spend two thousand dollars on a marketing firm. Let's say without talking to them first.
1: Yeah. I just. I yeah. Don't know something about it just doesn't feel good to me. <laughs> Although Courtney, I
0: we had a sales call, didn't we? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We I did. So when? That. Yes. For design work. Just because again. I like to see who I'm working with because you can just pick up different vibes from that face-to-face interaction.
0: And I have to say, that's a big part of why I loved working with you. It's not just the sales page you delivered, which is slamming. You guys should go look at it. It's Lauren slash slay your side hustle.
1: Yeah. It's, it's Courtney's amazing. work.
0: <laughs> it's stunning. It's, it's like the favorite digital asset that I have by far. Um, but yeah, that was fabulous. But the reason I was drawn to you is because you have such a high level of service. Like your customer service was amazing at every step. We had a a beautiful sales call. We connected energetically Mm -hmm. and then your process, all these beautiful like emails came to me with the exact schedule and what I needed to provide and like checkpoints. An Enneagram one. (laughs) Yes, it was. And I'm an Enneagram seven. So I need that stuff or otherwise I'm flying around like crazy. Yeah. I love that. So you as a service, like you having a sales call, matches your delivery because you are a very high touch white glove service provider, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What tips do you have on the sales call portion? I know this can be its own episode, but maybe like your biggest one to two tips for closing the call. Closing
0: the call. Okay. Well, I have to say a couple of steps before. Okay. And all credit to my first sales coach for teaching me these steps. So first things first, make sure you're aligned on their goal. It's very easy to start selling them your package, but it's like, do I understand what you're trying to do? Mm -hmm. And between you and me, like, am I interested in helping you with this problem? You know what I mean? Like make sure step one is, do you understand their goal? Have they said it? Do they feel heard? Can you repeat it back to them? And you as the coach or the service provider, are you excited for it? Yeah. Great. Step two is what I call cock block removal. All my stuff is dirty. All my stuff is dirty. Um, Impediment removal is probably a better way to say it, but it's like, okay, you want this thing. You want to quit your job and start a business or you want to reach 50K months in your business, whatever your goal may be. What's in the way? Yeah. And so you have to drive out all of the impediments. They can be mindset impediments, money impediments, time, support, technology, like what's literally in the way. Mm -hmm. And then demonstrate to them. You don't have to solve, certainly don't solve the problem for them on the call. But say, okay, if we work together, here's how I would break down each of those impediments. First, we would create a sales strategy. Then we would make a financial plan. And then we would connect you with a technology service provider like Courtney. Like, you, Would that plan remove these, these cock blocks for you? And if they say yes. So
1: oh, good.
0: Yeah. Yep. You don't have to solve the problem for them. Just say like, if we constructed a plan that solved these things, would that, would that be a hell yes for you? Yes. Okay, great. And then I say, be a grown ass adult in a sales call and say, is this feeling great to you? Like, I'm loving this. I would love to help you. Are you feeling the same? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. Okay. What's left in order for you to make a decision? Is anything missing or incomplete from this conversation? And that's when they're going to be like, well, I have to talk to my husband or like, well, I have to check my bank account. Well, well, well. And that's when you can really coach. That's when you can coach through the objection handling. And it's not manipulative, I promise. It's like, you should talk to your husband. I'm not gonna invest a few thousand dollars without talking to my husband. (laughs) So coach them through that and say, okay, what does your husband need to see? Is he an analytical dude? Is he an energy dude? Does he need to talk to me? Like, what does he need? Well, he's, he's a numbers dude. He's gonna wanna see like the ROI and what we get. Great, send him to my sales page that Courtney created. It has every last detail, every FAQ, everything you need, right? or, or provide whatever they need to get over the impediment.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Does he just need to know you're a hell? Yes. A lot of people hide behind them. My spouse isn't going to like this, but the truth is the spouse will like it. If you like it, if you are, if you are literally yeah. on fire, that's not the reason the spouse says no. The spouse says no. When you're, when you're wiggly, when you go back to your own wife or your own husband, you're like, talk to this chick, Lauren, she's pretty cool. I don't know. She's really expensive. <laughs> I kind of want to do it. I kind of want to do it. Like no spouse is going to be like, sure, take my money. You kind of want to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It truly comes down to like, do you believe in yourself? Because then he or she will believe in you.
0: And that's what it is. It's not pressure Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because I want you to infuse this in the objection handling and the closing say, whatever you choose, I'm good no matter what, whether this is a hell yes or a hell no, my commitment is getting to getting you to the best next step for you. So. What would turn this into a hell yes or a hell no? That's it.
1: I want to go back to leading from a place of serving because if you lead that way, it shows. Like when I'm on a sales call, I'm at a point where you either want to work with us or you don't. And if you don't, I'm not going to force you because if you force that person, it's going to be, it might be a rocky relationship that you should have just let go from the beginning. Right. You're right. Again, like this
0: is why we became entrepreneurs is to do what we want to do and work with who we want to work with. If somebody is wishy-washy on us, yeah, then it's not a fit. And I meet people all the time that are like, "Lauren, I don't think you're my girl." And I'm like, "Great, <laughs> perfect." You know what I mean? And that's that's one of the questions that you can infuse into your objection handling is if they're like, "I don't know, maybe I have to sleep on it." Mm-hmm. That's my like. I love this one because I'm like, "Okay, what do you have to sleep on?" Let's save you twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. I'm okay if you're a hell no, but like, what are you sleeping on? Yeah. Right. I can help you. This coaches help accelerate. So let's accelerate this decision from 12 hours to 12 seconds. Cause I'm good either way.
1: I am just, I just have to say, I'm loving your energy. Like it's just <laughs> great and direct. That, And I love that because that's kind of, kind of person that I am is just get, just say the question, just ask for the deal. And if it's a no, it's a no. If it's a yes, it's, it's a yes. Yeah. I, I
0: have a, you know, I have a program called sales swagger and a, a webinar that goes along with it. And it has a slide that says, be a grown ass adult yeah and treat, treat them like a grown ass adult. Cause they are, they don't need to be handled with kid gloves. They're, they're amazing. They're badasses. Like another thing I'll see time. is exactly, exactly. Another thing I'll see is at the end of the sales call, somebody will go, yeah, this sounds great. Awesome. Will you send me your pricing? Oh yeah. And it's so easy to be like, sure. I'll email it to you. And I always retort back and I'm just like, I'll tell it to you right now. Mm-hmm. Again, let's let's not let's save ourselves a day of back and forth. Yeah. What do you want to know? And so you you just say the pricing on the call.
1: Do you do um like either or option A or B? Do you recommend doing that method or just one option? It depends on
0: your business. That's a really good question, Courtney. I used to do um either or that initial sales coach of mine said don't ask if it's a yes or a no, ask which one. Yeah. And so if you have an offer stack and you basically like want to give them those options, that's fine. I don't really have like necessarily an offer stack going at all times. I'm usually doing a launch of one product. So in that case, I'm just like, are you in, are you out? Mm -hmm.
1: And do you do like, have you always, or you haven't always done launches, but right now you just do continuous launches.
0: I've done it all. And so again, this all aligns with your energy. I've done Evergreen. So I've done Slay Your Side Hustle as an evergreen course, as a rolling enrollment live cohort, and as a closed cohort with a launch, like a six-week sales launch. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Done them all. And what I want to tell everybody listening is it all depends on you and your energy. So turns out, uh, I prefer launch energy. I like to be in a focused sales sprint. And then a, a delivery sprint. When I'm in constant sort of like, I got to sell six this month. I got to sell six this month in perpetuity. I get bored.
1: Hmm.
0: Whereas you I thrive under the. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So sense. I. Yes. Yeah, see. So us Enneagram Sevens might do great with launches. There might be other types. Let me think of the types. Maybe a one. I don't know. Yeah, I like
1: consistent.
0: <laughs> yeah, my It's funny. My last COO and I. She's absolutely amazing. She was always like, let's stabilize your business. Like, let's get you to just sell six a month or eight a month. And we tried that and just uh, to her, that was a dream. And she runs her six figure business that way. And to me, I was like, it's been two months. I'm bored. Like I need (laughs) something big. So they all work. It has to feel good to you as the business owner. It has to turn you on. For some of us, consistency turns us on. So you need a repeatable sales cycle every week, every month. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: For me, I like to sprint and recover, sprint and recover. So it's like up to you.
1: Yeah. Do you have any tips on it for someone who does want to do the launch based model? Like when it comes to sales?
0: Yes. And it's not going to be probably what you're expecting me to say. Go I have found every time I do a launch, I get sales of other things. Really? Yeah. It's so like people kind of checking it out. For instance, Um, The last time I did a launch of Slay Your Side Hustle, which is a $3,600 product, which I think is an accessible price point to start a business from scratch. So I'm selling, selling, selling. All I'm talking about is Slay Your Side Hustle and email and on the internet. And a multi seven figure firm reached out to me for consulting services and stroked me a $24,000 check in full. Wow. And I was like, I was not expecting that, (laughs) but I'll take it. Yes. And here's why this is woo woo stuff. This is law of attraction stuff. But when you are in inspired action, when you're putting yourself out there in the mode of service, you attract all kinds of things. So I guess my piece of advice, I mean, you might've been looking for more specific launch advice. I don't have it, you know, do the webinars, write the emails, write the posts, DM the people. It's, It's what everybody else says, right? My actual deeper advice is to detach from this launch as your only source of revenue. Oh yeah. And remind yourself that when you're out there networking, that person might not want Slay Your Side Hustle. They may want a $10,000 VIP day. And if you close yourself off to that opportunity, then you're going to limit revenue. And you're going to limit the ways that you can serve people.
1: Mm-hmm. So I know what, the, I'm glad you said that. I know a lot of people, um, when I did business consulting not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would ask like, well, what happens if I launch and someone wants to join after it closes? Take them on. Like you can still work with them. Yeah. And I think yeah. people get tripped up on, well, it closed. I can't take any more on or I can't take other offers. So I'm really glad you mentioned that.
0: Well, that's a beautiful scenario. So I've thought about that. I'm in a, an enrollment period. I'm in a launch right now. My next round of Slayer Side Hustle starts on April 4th. So that date may or may not have passed by the time this episode comes out. But the point being is, what if somebody comes along April 10th? Well, you're the business owner. You have options. You can welcome them in and give them a little extra one-on-one, like give them a nice 90-minute one-on-one, get them caught up, bring them in. No big deal. I've done that. You can offer them a VIP day. Or if you have demand, like I'll use my business as a scenario. If I've got three or four people who come in late and I'm not running it again for another quarter, okay, I'm going to give you guys a little sales. like. Sorry, I lost my words there. Uh, slay your side hustle retreat. So the four of you, we're going to do a day and a half retreat.
1: Yeah. But you, it's your business. You can do whatever you want. You create the offers to serve
0: them. Yes. That's what I've learned in coming into year six of my business is when you're so attached to it looking a certain way, like I need 20 people in, to buy in this launch. Mm. It's going to stress you out. Yeah right? These wild revenue streams can come out of nowhere. You can be asked to speak. You can be asked to consult. You can be asked to do, you know, a high touch coaching moment. Don't close those things off.
1: Yeah. You just kind of, I think being an entrepreneur, you have to be open to different opportunities and Mm -hmm. lean into them when they come up. Um, Like the speaking thing I told you about, I was just like, sure, I'll do it. Like whatever. (laughs) I'm nervous, but I wouldn't have found out That if I liked it or not, if I didn't do it. And so I think you just have to keep putting yourself in those uncomfortable positions or like if something knocks at your door, does this feel energetically aligned? Do I want to try it? Yes or no. And just be open to it. I think that's the biggest thing.
0: I agree. Launches are notoriously draining. Maybe even soul. That's why I don't do them. Yeah. Yeah. So this one I'm doing right now, is like, it's totally different energy because I'm doing what I just said, which is, it's not that I don't care how many people sign up, but I'm not the least bit attached to that being the only revenue stream. People are booking like a lot of VIP days with me right now and I'm not marketing them.
1: VIP days is where it's at. Yeah.
0: I just did one this morning.
1: <laughs> I just, uh, we just launched that service. So I'm I'm excited to see how it goes. Well, see,
0: I meet a lot of people. So any of coaches listening and you're open to this, like Yeah. Expand your purview a little bit. Not everybody wants a 90-day coaching cohort. Mm -mm. Not everybody wants six months of one-on-one. Even my own alumni, I've been asking them on alumni calls. I'm like, what program should I open next? You guys want the scaling lab? What do you want? And they're like, no, we actually don't want coaching. We want retreats.
1: Oh, wow. I'm like, good to know. That's easier for me too. And more profitable. (laughs) But you would have never known that if you didn't ask. And that's the perfect thing to do is just ask your current audience, Hey, what do you guys want? How can I serve you right now? And then that's your offer.
0: So Courtney, that is like one of the best sales tips we've said on the podcast today. Listen for what your people want. Mm -hmm. I had a bad habit for literally four years. I'm not joking you of coming up with offers and webinars that I thought sounded cool. And then pound the streets. I came up with one, for example. So this is a failed one. It's called the Entrepreneur's Hierarchy of Needs. And it's based off of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And it was brilliant. It was this like pyramid diagram that was like, if you need survival and stabilization, then you need sales. If you want more time, then you need staff, right? If you want more passive income, you need blah, blah, blah. Like it was this really cool diagram. Stood up this webinar. Nobody came. Crickets. Crickets. And I was like, damn it, this infographic is so dope. Like, how did I miss this? But there was no demand for it. Yeah. There was nobody being like, which stage of business am I at? Everybody knows what stage of business they're at. They want help with that stage. Oops. How
1: would would you suggest someone do that if they're just starting out and they don't have the audience to ask that?
0: Market validation. So going to some people who are friendly to you, whether they're followers who like your posts, they're people who are not necessarily buyers, but kind of fit the profile. So for instance, when I first started out in life coaching, plenty of my coworkers were happy to have their brains picked about my product and there was no pressure for sales. Like I literally, I remember sitting this one, this one guy down for coffee and being like, this is my offer. Do you know anybody that would buy this or is this crazy?
1: Yeah. And he
0: was like, honestly, like nobody I know would buy this. (laughs) Nobody I know would buy this. Well, I worked in investment banking and so nobody wants life coaching. What they wanted it to be called was performance coaching. So if I was going after that clientele, which I was back in the day, okay, great. That, that tweak was quite useful performance coaching. Yeah. So asking people for feedback on your offer, on your pricing, if, if it makes sense when you describe it is huge. And then of course you can poll your audience. LinkedIn as a a great polling mechanism, very high engagement posts. When you do a poll, same on Instagram stories,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: just ask people. Yeah.
1: So I want to get into how the sales page and funnels have really helped you grow your business. But before we dive into that, do you have any other sales tips of, as part of your process that you feel, ooh, they need to know this?
0: Yeah, it's regular touches is what I say. So this is how I think solopreneurs should spend their day. Content, connection, and client delivery. A third, a third, a third. Yeah, When you're scaling beyond solopreneurship, you have staff and you have other things going on. But like if every single day you produce a piece of content for the socials and you connect with humans, meaning DM, phone call, comment, like get people on sales call, just connect with a couple of people a day. And then client delivery has to come first. The three C's, you're going to be great. So I've thought about creating like a journal around this, like a little like three C's journal. And then of course mine would have the other C's, like creative time and then like um, business cleanup every day doing hygiene in your business. I like that. Yeah, I might make this little journal actually. But the point is, number one indicator of sales is how many humans you're talking to, not how many posts you're creating. The posts are just the lube, as I like to say. Mm
1: -hmm. The posts
0: just warm people up. But if you're not having conversations, then you're not going to be making sales, especially early on in your business before you're a known entity.
1: And by conversations, you just mean like engaging with them, like liking their stories and just starting... You know, conversations.
0: Yeah. I have a blog post. Maybe I'll send it to you for the show notes. And it's called How to Add A Hundred Leads to Your Pipeline. Yes. And it has literal scripts, like one-liners to say to reach out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we can include that in the show notes.
0: I'll dig up that blog post because it's it's really good actually. It's like, well, okay, Lauren, you're asking me to DM people. What the hell do I say?
1: Because that's what everyone I know that they're gonna be asking that. Yeah, so I was, so, I was me like, too. oh my gosh, what do I say? But I think my advice would be like, what would you say to someone in person? Hey, mm-hmm. how's it going? I love your shoes. Or where'd you get your purse? Like something very small. Oh my gosh. Got what you got it. You got
0: it. You've absolutely got it. Um, you would not, I don't know, ask someone on a date before you knew their name. Yeah. So yeah, start small. Give first. These outreach scripts are very warm. They're very permission-based. Right, they start with compliments. So you can use that script, and then my other the thing that used to freak me out as a new salesperson was like, okay, fine, I'm having DM conversations on multiple platforms. How the hell do I keep track of all of these?
1: Or move them into a call.
0: Exactly. So step one is keep track because it's very easy to forget who you're talking to. So at a minimum, create a Google Sheets, and whenever somebody seems like more than just a hello, when you've gone beyond hello, and they've either checked out your freebie come to your webinar said they want to work with you and the dms put them on a tracker
1: mm-hmm.
0: you the dopamine hit of adding a name to somebody who might be interested and then you then you have this crm right a, a customer relationship management tool mm-hmm. and you can go back and be like damn over the last two months i've talked to like 60 people yeah if you've got 60 names on that list you will have five to eight clients minimum
1: period and you just keep you can go back like I would like put their name, their handle, and then just continue the conversation with them.
0: Absolutely, you can end fortunes in the follow up too. So don't boner poke, don't keep hitting on somebody that's not into you. But if somebody, and we all have these, somebody said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna book a call with you," and they never did.
1: Yeah,
0: it's okay to maybe one time, not ten times. One time, reach out and be like, "Hey, I'm still thinking about you. Your last post was kick ass. Yeah, we really should get virtual coffee," and just just love on them. Yeah. So people the tracker. Yeah. So the tracker is key. Um, cause if you're not having, it'll indicate to you if you're, if you're doing everything, but talking to people, all the posts, all the social media, all the Instagram stories, but if you're not talking to people, that tracker will be bare. Yeah. <laughs> and then how to move them to a call is be a grown ass adult. Just be like, you are amazing. I love you. I want to see if I can help you accelerate. You want to, you want to jump on a call mm-hmm. period? Just ask.
1: Yeah, Just ask. The sale if you don't ask.
0: No, and they might say no, and that's great. You've been desensitized. You've gotten your first ten nos. You've lived to tell a tale. It's great. You're doing. You're fighting the good fight.
1: Yeah, I love that. Oh, so many mm-hmm. good tips. Um, so I want to dive into a big part of you know. We have worked together. I created yep. a sales page for her. She was at a point where you had consistent revenue coming in, but you wanted to scale that even further. So anything we're talking about this point on would be for someone who, you know, you're at a point where you have that coming in, you have proof of concept and you're ready to scale or automate or, um, you know, make even more money. So let's talk about how the sales page um, has helped you grow your business.
0: Yeah. And seriously, you guys go look at the sales page. I'll say it again, laurenwidrick.com slash slay your side hustle. It's like, it's gorgeous. Courtney is the best. So first things first, the creating of the sales page gave me a lot of sales swagger because it forced me, you gave us a a template basically. Like this is an example of the the pieces of an optimal sales page. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Yep. Great,
0: and so I had a branding consultant working with me at the time. We filled it out, and I was like, "Oh, this is really a good way to articulate the program, even better than I had been doing with, you know, my mouth." (laughs) It was very logical. It was like, "Who is this for? Why do you want it? What does it include? What are your objections? What are your questions?" Here's the investment. Like, it was just in the right. So, not only did that help me establish a presence online, it helped me talk about it in my content and in my business. So, that was beautiful. Creating the sales page actually gave me bits of content that I could get inspired by. Yeah. And then secondly, we created it because, um, I had an evergreen version of slay your side hustle. So a self-guided version. And what that meant was in, like I said earlier, the sales process should match the delivery process. So for an evergreen version of the product, a click to buy was great. And it was, it was way cheaper. It was 1200 bucks instead of 3600 for the live version. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a number that you can click to buy but not without a lot of juicy information. So if you look at the sales page, it is robust and rich and literally no stone left unturned. Every question is answered. And yeah. so the people who bought it, like there's a video of me, there's testimonials, like it's a vibe. They, they caught a vibe and they were able to just click to buy. Yeah.
1: It's like a sales call on a sales page, like just on a sales yeah. page. It is. When you approach it, that's what's
0: genius about your template is when you approach it like that, you're actually getting in the psychology of the buyer is like, first of all, how are they going to feel seen? Yep. That's at the top. Oh, that's me, right? Yep. And then the next is like, what do you want? I want to start my own business. Okay, cool. What's holding you back? Fear, time, money. Like the next part is, okay, I got you. I've been there too. I have a system. Yeah. Breathe, breathe a sigh of relief. Here's how the system works. There's really a psychological journey for the buyer to read this page. And I just loved that.
1: Yeah, it is because it's like taking them on the sales call. You have to guide them through all of their fears, all of their objections. What's in it for me, right? They get to the page and they're like, cool. Like, well, what do I get out of this?
0: Yes. And when you're creating a sales page with Courtney, I want you to think back through your sales calls or even your DMS where people were like, ah, now is not a good time for me to do the program. I'm too busy at work Mm -hmm. or like, ah, my spouse isn't really into me investing in this right now, or I'm pre-revenue. How am I going to spend money? Right, the sales page answers those things.
1: Yep. What if, but if like put their freight like put? I always say put what they're saying on like use that terminology. Yes. Yes.
0: So the psychology, of the sales page is great, it, it's made me. And I've turned this product back to a live cohort model. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll go back to Evergreen again. The page is translated beautifully for both. So now that I have this sales page, is flexible. Like I, when I go to sell at Evergreen again, like great, the page works for that. Now, for the people who I'm warming up to buy the program they and we're having live sales calls again, they can actually show this page to their spouse, so like, oh, your spouse doesn't know what this is, have them read this. There is literally not a detail left out, so it's beautiful sales collateral, no matter how you use it
1: where like what made you want to uh hire a designer?
0: Oh my gosh, Kajabi, I don't want to do Kajabi. <laughs> No, I, I I literally Googled Kajabi custom web design and you came up first. And within one click, I was like, this is my girl. These they, these pages are beautiful. Good. <laughs> I wanted to have a strong online presence. I knew this product was here to stay and it could be delivered evergreen or live. I, I knew it was worth investing in a sales page for, for the funnels mm-hmm. and for my own confidence. When I send that page to a prospective client, I feel like a boss. I feel like I have my shit together. And that sales swagger, like, come, I mean, you can't put a price on that.
1: Isn't that crazy how a website or a sales page can just like boost your confidence level? Like I'm legit. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it really
0: does. And again, you, anybody listening, you are already legit, but it's kind of like having on a killer outfit. Like when you walk in a room, yes. you're like, yeah, yes. I feel good. <laughs> yes, queen. Yes, queen. Yeah. So it's, I don't know if I've ever said this to you yet, Courtney, but like the confidence has been worth the investment as much or more as the the beautiful page itself. Like I do feel more confident in my sales process having this awesome, awesome digital asset.
1: Oh, I love that! I love that. No, I haven't heard that, but I do like to. Hear it. Yeah, you're a
0: confidence fairy. Did you
1: realize it? Like not I only just are put you- that in the bio. Confidence yes, you're fairy.
0: a you're a deliverer of sales swagger.
1: Yes, I love it. Yes. How do you think the sales page? Has impacted like the sales of your program?
0: It's definitely removed objections. Okay. I mean, it's in my funnel, right? So like I have I have a couple of freebies at the top of my funnel. One is called the Freedom Fund calculator. So calculate how much money you need to quit your job. Another is the side hustle playbook. Great. People get into the funnel through these freebies, but they're exposed to the sales page like a couple times in the funnel.
1: Okay. Like through the email sequence?
0: Through the email sequence. Yeah. And so by the time they get to that final email where they're encouraged to either buy or or book a call with me, like they've seen this beautiful, like trustworthy asset. Mm -hmm. So I I know it's definitely warmed people up to, to buying this product and knowing is this isn't just some like girl doing Slayer side hustle out of her garage. You know what I mean?
1: I love it. That's cool. How else has, have you used like sales funnels to grow your business?
0: So I'm not a funnel expert. I've been playing around with them a little bit. Um, The first funnel I ever created was really bad, actually. All of the emails were super long. Oh yeah. And I did work briefly with a Facebook ads agency, and she was like, "Oh my god, nobody's reading these." (laughs) So I punched them up. Like literally, one of the emails in the funnel is just just a thirty second video. Yeah, I'm doing one of the emails. Yeah, like I've got one email in the funnel that simply says. Hey, do you still want help with your business? Let me know. Mm-hmm. And they think, I think they think they're getting a personal email, which know. to me they are, right? So I'm not a funnel expert. I'm still like a high touch sales type person.
1: Yeah.
0: But I'm I'm playing with it and I'm learning.
1: Yeah. And I, that's I a big thing. Like funnels just accelerates what you're currently doing. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you can grow your email list, but until you know... Exactly what you're doing, who you're serving, that funnel can just um, accelerate it, just the same as like Facebook ads can scale what you're already doing.
0: Yeah, but you said it earlier. Like, so many people jump straight to Facebook ads before they have a proof of concept, or you know, they understand the objections and the psychological buying journey. Like, uh, I I went there. Like, I threw a lot of money into Facebook ads late last year, and like I said, I had a bad funnel. And so I was spending money adding people to my list, but once they were going down the funnel, they were opting out. And I was like,
1: "Ooh, yeah. That'll <laughs> work.
0: You know what I mean? So, what I would have you do is like tweak and refine your funnel. Like, step one Do people want your freebie? Are they downloading it? Okay, great. Cool. After they download your freebie, what's their next question or what's their next uh, urge? Okay, the, the next email should address that. Mm hmm. But you have to tweak and test your funnel before you go throwing Facebook ad money at it. Otherwise, you're going to fall into the same mistake I did, spending thousands a month on ads and getting very little sales because they were getting lost in the sauce.
1: Well, I think another thing is like when people come to me, they think, oh, maybe $1,200 is a lot for a sales page, a custom sales page. But like having you gone through that, seeing that be able to multiply launch after launch, that Thousand dollar, twelve hundred dollar investment to make ten k, twenty k, is really quite small in the scheme of things.
0: That is a no freaking brainer.
1: No brainer. See it at first, right? They don't see the law like what it could do for your business.
0: It's a it's a simple mathematical equation. So my product is thirty six hundred dollars. So if I sold one, I've made three hundred percent (laughs) ROI. You might have people whose product is like $197, okay, fine. They have to sell 10, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which if you're selling a $197 thing, I hope you're you're pushing volume because that's how you get to the six figures you're looking for. So like either way, you're going to make the money back.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and by the time you get to us, you are already making money. So it's just like, okay, let's get the sales page to sell 20 more, 30 more, 50 more.
0: Yep. So maybe you've gotten some new objection handling out of this conversation because like the confidence piece. Ask, I mean, you can ask them in your sales calls, like what, you probably won't say cock blocker like I do, but like (laughs) what, what problems, what issues are coming up in your sales process? Because your sales page might actually solve their sales problems. Yeah, true. I'm not feeling confident. They're always having to ask their spouse. Like uh, there's not enough traffic there's coming to my sales
1: page. page. The sales page fixes those. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh yeah. my gosh! Well, this has been super helpful. I I love talking about sales. Do you have any other tangible tips for um, the person who's just starting out, or someone who wants to scale even more in business when it comes to sales?
0: I'm trying to think if there's anything we haven't already said. It's just you're the chief revenue officer of your company and that's badass. Please, please, please don't say, Oh, I hate sales. Because if you do, you're never going to, I, when I was saying that I was making almost no sales. And when I was like, no, I'm a badass bitch. I am a revenue generator. I'm a rainmaker. I love these people. And I'm not going to prevent myself from talking to them because I'm uncomfortable. No, like I'm here to serve. Yeah. So if you can get in that, you know, batty energy, and just be like, I'm here to help people and nothing's stopping me. I'm committed to the, I'm committed to this impact and I'm a, I'm a freaking chief revenue officer. Yeah. How, how awesome is that?
1: Yeah. Cause it'll show it'll sh- your energy will show. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so I always like to close out with two final questions. Um, so the first one is what book has had the biggest impact on you and why?
0: Okay, I can't even answer that question. I'm, a, I'm addicted to personal development books, but I'm going to recommend one in particular about sales. Good. And it's called The Go-Giver.
1: Who's it by? Do you know
0: who it's by? Oh my gosh, no. Okay, I I've read it 25 bajillion times over the years. Um, it is a fictional tale about a salesperson who goes through this very, like, it's amazing, amazing story of how he discovers that sales is not for the money, sales is for service, and ends up getting wildly wealthy through that realization. Oh, wow, It's the go-giver. We give first and with tactical, tangible examples of how to do it. And it's just very heartwarming as well. It's like a teeny tiny book. You can read it on a plane and be done. So the go-giver, we'll put, hopefully you can, we can look up the author and put it in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Love it. Um, What piece of advice would you tell your younger self?
0: It's going to be okay.
1: Love it. You know what I
0: mean? Like there are going to be periods of your business. Like, like I said, I went through recently like a very difficult period in my business and it's okay. I lived, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this good fight is worth it. So if you're committed to something, it's gonna come with discomfort, period, period. But you're a badass bitch who can handle discomfort in the name of impact and transformation. You can handle whatever's thrown at you, I promise. Just take messy action, don't overthink it. It's not all gonna go perfectly. You're gonna get rejected. You're gonna mess up a launch and you will live to tell the tale. I don't know a single six, seven, eight figure entrepreneur that does not have wild, gnarly failure stories. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you're failing, you're in good company. You're doing you're the, it right. You're doing it right. You're you're at the entrepreneurial MBA program and you're at, you're at failing class 201. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good for you. I mean, it makes you stronger. It's like the therapy you can never pay for.
1: Right. Yeah. So
0: Embrace Every failure. Day. I have an episode on my own podcast called Grab Life by the Goals. Uh, That's the podcast name. The episode is called The Failure Chronicles. And all I do is just detail out like the 10 gnarliest failures I've ever had. And I go back and listen to it. And I'm like, damn, I'm not like, what a loser. I'm like, damn, what about us? Yeah. I'm still fighting. I'm still going here. And I'm stronger and smarter for those things. And you will be too. So
1: so relatable for people listening.
0: Yeah. Yep. If you're failing, you're not a loser. It actually means you're a total... Badass. (laughs) Badass. <laughs> baddie. You're a baddie. Can 40-year-old oh. moms say baddie? Like
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this has been great to have you on the show. Where can people find you?
0: I would say connect with me on Instagram. My handle is at Lauren LaurenWidrick. My website is LaurenWidrick.com and click on Slay Your Side Hustle to see Courtney's sales page. It is um dope. Can I say dope as a thirty nine year old mom? Dope. <laughs> Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Or you can find me on LinkedIn Just search up Lauren Woodrick, but find me all the places, shoot me a note. And if you just want like a little sales boost, if you want someone to tell you, you can do it, send me a message and I'll be like, you
1: can do it. Yeah. Or listen to your podcast.
0: Yes. Oh yes. The podcast is called Grab Life by the Goals. Awesome. Lots of boner jokes. Lots more boners on there. (laughs)
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Courtney. This has been amazing. Awesome. We'll catch you in the next episode. As always, thanks for listening. And if you love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or on Instagram to help support the show. If you want additional resources to help you grow your business, you can find them on my website at CourtneyMarieCo.com or below in the show notes.